Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media. So be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now enjoy the message. Thank you for being here. If you're in the room, if you're online, thank you for joining us. Um, Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever been bothered? Yep. Um, How many of you, when I said the word bothered, you automatically thought about those things that bother you? How many of you, um, one of those things is sitting right next to you? No, don't answer that. I don't want any fights this morning. Let's not not go there. Um, But being bothered is something that none of us enjoy. But I thought I would take on the tall task this morning of showing you how um, there is a benefit to being bothered, a benefit that could actually um, change your life, change the lives of those around you, and even change the narrative, the direction of your story as you move forward. We're in the middle of our series called Rescued, and we find God's people, the Israelites, in a, a, a pretty common place, and that is them needing to be rescued. And so why is that? Why do we always need to be rescued as God's people? And it's because God's people are always in battle. God's people always have a battle to fight. And we will face opposition um, when we are doing things that God wants us to do. It's resistance. Resistance is a sign that you're going somewhere. It's like when you were little and you would get in the back seat of your parents' car and you would roll down the window and you would get ready by sticking your hand out like this. And as the car moved forward and the wind resistance hits your arm, what would happen? You would start doing this. I don't know what it is about this, but it was so calming. How many of you still do this as an adult? But as soon as the car stopped moving, There was no more resistance and your arm was still. And it's the same thing with us in our faith. When we stop going forward, we stop going where God wants us to do, we won't find resistance, which means we are still. And there's a lot of times in my life where I do a check deep down and I check my faith and I find um, that nothing's happening And I'm like, why not? And it's because my faith is still, and we know anything that doesn't move is dead. So today we're gonna look um, in 1 Samuel 14, where we find God's people against resistance. We find them at battle, at war with the Philistines. And these are the same Philistines that we see later on um, in the book of Samuel, when you have Um, The Philistines there, you have David, the shepherd boy that comes and facing the big giant, and his name is Goliath. This is the same Philistines, but this is before this happens. But you have some of the same characters. So you have the Israelites, and they have 3,000 men in their army, including King Saul and his son, Jonathan. And then in the other corner, you have the Philistines. The Philistines, the Bible says, has 30,000 chariots. 
6,000 men on horses and so many men that it says that they were like the sand on the seashore in abundance, which means there were so many men, you couldn't even count them. Not only were they heavily outnumbered, but they were also outstrategized in this moment. For the Philistines had gone and taken all the blacksmiths and they had made it where if the Israelites needed to get swords or they need to get anything repaired, any equipment, they couldn't afford it because they made the blacksmiths raise their prices. So amongst the 3,000 Israelite warriors, they had a whopping two swords. King Saul had a sword and his son, Jonathan, had a sword. So when the Israelites were ready to go to battle, they go and they look out into the strait and they see the Philistines in all their glory. And what do they do? They take off, run and hide. The Bible says that they went and they hid in caves, they hid in cliffs, they hid in thickets, and they hid in pits, anywhere they could go to get out of the way of the Philistines. And that's where we pick up in our story because we see where King Saul is in this moment. First Samuel 14, two says, Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gabeah under the pomegranate tree. And the people who were with him were about 600 men. So you have King Saul, 3,000 split. King Saul, he goes and he gathers as many men as he could find, 600. What does he do? He leads them to battle. No, he takes them to the outskirts of town and they relax underneath the pomegranate trees. They go find shade. They go find a place they could get away from it. They go find comfort. And I don't know about you, but I'm fired up this morning. So I'm already ready to go to my first point. So if you're taking notes, get ready. The first point is we need to be uncomfortable with being comfortable. Be uncomfortable with being comfortable. And now please hear me. I am not telling you that there shouldn't be any moments in your life where you find comfort. I believe God gives us comfort. I think if you're gonna rest and you're gonna recoup, you have to find comfort first so you can get to that place. You need to rejuvenate. I believe that the Sabbath is is a holy day that we are called to take. We are called each week to take a day of rest. And you need to find that comfort so you can rest, right? It's in the top 10 list, y'all. It's important. So we need to make sure we do in that. But what I'm telling you this morning is that in your life, in your faith, if you have a constant state of comfort, that should make you uncomfortable. See, God doesn't want us to always be comfortable. The neat thing about God is he will come and comfort the disturbed, but he will also come and disturb the comfortable. Sometimes God needs to come and disturb us in our comfortable place so that we will be willing to get up and move to go to where he actually wants us to be. It's kind of like uh, eagles. And I'm not talking about the band, so just take it easy. Get it? I'm talking about the bird. So an eagle will go and it will make a nest when it's about to lay its eggs. And it makes this nest out of, out of feathers. Um, it makes this nest out of leaves, things that are soft and comfortable. It lays its eggs. And then the little eaglets, if you didn't know, that's what they're called. Eaglets come out of the eggs, out of the shells. And after a while, the eagle comes and starts to remove the leaves. 
starts to remove the grass and begins to replace this nest with things like sticks and rocks. Why? To make it uncomfortable. Because the eagle knows if it's not uncomfortable, these little baby eagles will never leave the nest. If they never leave the nest, they will never learn to fly. If they never learn to fly, they will not survive. I mean, I've seen it in my life too. When I went to college, and yes, I went to college, don't judge me. I went to college, my first semester of college, I was very blessed. My parents paid for everything. It was awesome. They said, all we want you to do this first semester is just go to school, figure it out, please don't fail, please don't make our name look bad, right? That's what we usually tell our kids. And so I went to school, I enjoyed it. But then the semester came to an end. And the next semester, my parents continued to pay for things, but they paid a little less, which means I had to figure some things out. The next semester, it continued on and on. And each year of school, my parents would begin to pay less. By the final, um, my final semester of college, the last thing I had is I was on my parents' insurance. When I graduated, they went, see ya. Why did they do this? It was, it was it because they didn't love me? No, it's because they loved me. It's because my parents wanted to make it a little uncomfortable so I would have to grow up, be an adult, and start to figure some things out. Another reason is my parents didn't want me to live with them the rest of their lives. And I get that. But the question is, what bothers you? And I thought I would share with you this morning um, a couple of things that bothers me. And um, we're gonna dig into my psyche, so don't judge me on these things. I'm gonna give you some of my pet peeves. And hopefully these are some of your pet peeves, so I'm not alone up here. So the first pet peeve I have is when you're going grocery shopping and you're going down an aisle, say it's an aisle of cereal. So you're going down this aisle and in the middle of the aisle of all cereal, you see a giant bag of chips. Somebody has decided that they wanted chips, but when they came to this aisle, they decided they didn't want chips anymore. And instead of going back and putting these chips where they got them, they decide to leave them wherever they are. Can I get an amen? Does that bother anybody else? What about when you're pulling out of maybe your neighborhood or you're in a parking lot and you're coming up and you're ready to turn and there's nobody coming except for this one car and they're kind of speeding up, going faster, like whatever, I'll just wait and they get right up to you, they slow down and they turn without using their blinker. What about, um, it's just really just gotta say one word, solicitors. I remember when my kids were younger, I, I'm off on Fridays, so I'm always at home, and I, they would stay with me when they were younger, when they didn't have school, and we'd be sitting there, we'd be playing in the living room, all of a sudden the doorbell would ring, and I hope I'm not the only one, but we're like, yes, the doorbell rings and we just freeze. And you look at your kids and you're like, don't move. And then you have the kid that runs in from the other room. Somebody's at the door. Shh. And then you go see who it is, but you just can't walk normal. You have to act like somebody's watching you. So you go up to the blinds and you pull them down just a little, right? You don't want to let them know that you're, so you just and then the dog comes running in. You look at the dog like they can understand you. Shh, be quiet. And it happens all the time. And then this last one is, and it's serious. Probably my biggest pet peeve. It's when you, have, you go and you sit down, you have business to do. 
And once you get done with the work that you're doing, it's time to wrap it up and you turn to finish business and you see this. That's right. The old under wrap. People, we are civilized. We should always go over. And here's the thing about me is if you invite me to your house, which after hearing all this, I'm not getting invited anywhere, I know. But if you ever invite me to your house, if I go to the restroom, even if I have nothing to do with the toilet paper, if I see it under, I'm gonna flip it over, okay? It just helps me sleep better at night. Now, I know these are all, these are all funny um, and these are all fun things that we can talk about. But really what I wanna ask you this morning is what bothers you that bothers God? And as I started to write this message and I got to this part, um, God started putting some questions on, on me. And, and hopefully you know that when we're up here preaching, these are things that God has spoken to us because we have things to work on as well. And so I began to ask myself these questions and I started all these questions with, am I okay with? And so I wrote down a few and hopefully these resonate with you and these are things that we can think about together. Am I okay with people in my community going out without the basic needs of life? Am I okay with, with friends and family members and neighbors, those that God has put in our circle, am I okay with them leaving this earth one day without knowing about Jesus? Here's one that hit me pretty hard. Am I okay with my faith and where it is? And then as a parent, I asked myself this next question. Am I okay with my kids having the same faith as I have? What is it that makes you uncomfortable? Because we live in a world that is broken and there is plenty to, to look at and feel uncomfortable about. But the thing is, I believe this discomfort that we see and that we feel God has put on us for a reason. And I believe that reason is that this discomfort should motivate us to do what you can do. See, in 1 Samuel, when you start with the first verse, so we know the setup, we know where Saul is. He's taking his guys and he is relaxing in comfort underneath the pomegranate trees. In 1 Samuel 14, 1, it says, One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, Come. Let's go over to the Philistines outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. There was a man named Larry Walters and Larry Walters was a truck driver. But he, he didn't wanna be a truck driver. His, his whole life, he wanted to be a pilot. And when he was younger, he went, he tried to be a pilot in the Air Force, but because he had bad eyesight, it just never happened. But he never lost that dream. And as he grew up, as he got older, he lived in California, he would sit in his lawn chair in his backyard and he would just watch planes fly over. And he never lost that hope of one day flying in the air. So one day he, he had enough. And he decided he was gonna go buy 43 weather balloons and a tank of helium. 
And then he was gonna turn his lawn chair into a safe launching mechanism. And what he was gonna do is he was gonna get on top of his roof. He was gonna begin to fill these balloons up. He was gonna have his lawn chair tied to a rope. He was gonna levitate about 100 feet. The rope would catch and he was just gonna sit up there and enjoy it. Eventually, he would have a BB gun. He would take it and he would shoot the balloons down and land safely. Well, that was the plan. He started to go up in the air, and as he hit 100 feet, the rope automatically snapped. He begins to soar in the air. He begins to go up to 1,000 feet. He hits 5,000 feet. He gets up to around 15,000 feet, which Larry knows he's a pretty healthy man, but even when you're healthy, getting that high, you're about to pass out. But that wasn't his only problem. He had flown so far from his house, he had actually flown over LAX airport. Planes were landing, planes were taking off, pilots were calling in saying, there's a dude in a lawn chair up here. <laughs> but finally he gets to a place, he starts shooting down the balloons and he comes down and he's about to land to a huge crowd of police officers. <laughs> well, he lands and they, and they take him and they arrest him and they're taking him to jail but as they're taking him to jail, one of the reporters that's there says, Larry, why did you do what you did? And I love his answer. He said, a man can't just sit around. See, Jonathan, Saul's son, was tired of sitting around. Jonathan was a man of faith who was desperate to be used by God. He knew God was with him. He knew God had blessed this people. They were God's chosen people. He knew that. He knew that the one man in that world who had God's hand on him was his father, Saul. But he also knew that his dad was doing nothing but sitting underneath the pomegranate tree. And so he had enough. See, he had common sense, which is not very common, but he had common sense saying that the battle is big, but he had kingdom sense which told him his God was bigger. And so he came up with this proposal. And, and in 14.6, it says this, then Jonathan said to the young man who was carrying his armor, come and let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised and catch what he says next. Perhaps the Lord will work for us. For the Lord is not restrained to save by many or by now, his armor bearer was his right-hand man. He, he took care of him. He carried all of his stuff, even into battle. He was always there. And so this was the man who was following him. This is the man who was, he was telling this plan to. But I have to be honest. If I am the armor bearer, I'm good with everything so far until he gets to this part. He says, perhaps the Lord. I'm gonna question that. What do you mean, perhaps the Lord? Are you telling me that this may not work out the way we think it's gonna work out? Are you telling me that we're about to do this not knowing the outcome? And Jonathan would say, yes, perhaps the Lord. I mean, we've seen perhaps the Lord in the Bible a few times. And one of those times was in the book of Daniel when you see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King Nebuchadnezzar has, has said, everybody has to worship his gods. They have to worship this golden idol that he has made. And they refuse. They say, we will worship nobody but our God. And they say, well, we're gonna throw you in the furnace and you're gonna die. 
you're gonna burn to death. And they say, that's okay, because we think our God will save us. And here's where we see the perhaps the Lord when it comes to them. Daniel 3, verse 18, it says, but even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. See, our ideal outcome may not be the ideal outcome. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and then we see this with Jonathan, they were taking control of what they could do. They were taking steps in, in, in a direction that they knew God was for, not knowing what was gonna happen in the end. And, and that's the same calling that you and I have on our lives as followers of Christ. So I have some good news for you this morning, and then I have some great news. That's always awesome to hear, right? The good news is you are in control of more than you think. The great news is you are in less control than more than you think. So once we do what we can do, once we take a step and go in a direction that we know God is for, what is next? This is next. We need to trust God to do what only he can do. So Jonathan and his armor bearer are heading over. They're going, they're taking a step. They've sat in this comfortable place where they had this discomfort. They were uncomfortable with just sitting there. They knew they had to do something. So they got up, they started to go and he began to tell his armor bearer what the plan was. He said, we're gonna go over to this cliff we're gonna make it known to those men up there that we are here. And if they say, hey, stay there, we'll come to you. Okay, we're just gonna stay, no big deal. But if they say, hey, come up here, then we're gonna climb up there because we know this is a sign that God has given them into our hands. So they go over to the cliff, they make some noise, they get their attention. The Philistines look down, they make, make a couple shots. They say, look, the Hebrews have come out of hiding. And then they say this, they say, hey, come up here. We have something we wanna tell you. Doesn't that sound like something we would tell kids? Like, hey, come here, let me tell you a secret. I gotcha, go to your room. I mean, we, that's what we would do. But that's the tactic they use. Come up here, um, we wanna tell you something. And they knew that was a sign from God that they, were, they had this. And so the Bible says that Jonathan and his armor bearer, and remember, they have one sword, one. They climb up this cliff, hands and feet, and when they get to the top, the Bible says that they slaughtered 20 Philistines. 20 Philistines. Now, when I read that the first time, I was like, yes! That's what Jonathan thought would happen, right? Like he, that's what he wanted. That was the victory he was looking for. And then you remember what he said. He said, perhaps the Lord. Remember, our outcome is not always God's outcome. And so I wanna read what God does next in verse 15. And there was a trembling in the camp, in the field and among all the people. Even the garrison and the raiders trembled and the earth quaked so that it became a great trembling. They felt uncomfort. They felt discomfort. They were uncomfortable. 
They couldn't rest. Their souls were stirred to get up and do something. They took steps. They went over to the battle that they knew God was in. They made it known. God showed them the plan. They went up, they slaughtered. That was it. But no, perhaps the Lord, what God did next was incredible. He sent an earthquake. He sent an earthquake. And what happens is the Philistines are so confused about why the world is shaking that they begin to turn on each other and fight each other. Not only do they fight each other, they begin killing each other. But because the world was shaking, the Israelites came out from hiding. They began to come out of the caves and the thickets and the pits and the cliffs. And they even came out from under the shade tree. And when they got there and saw what was happening, when they saw what God was doing, they joined the fight. And these 3,000 ended up with God's help winning the whole battle. Now, at the end of that verse, it says this. On that day, the Lord saved Israel. Now, I don't know about you this morning, but I feel pretty good that I serve a God that's still saving his people today. I feel pretty confident that even though I don't know what's coming even this afternoon, I know I can take steps and what I know God to be for, I can go that direction and I know God is gonna help me with whatever I have to face. Some of, some of us in here this morning are facing some pretty big battles. You're facing battles. Some, some battles you're facing, you, other people know about and they're there to help you. And the, but some of us are here this morning and we're facing battles that we know nobody else in our life knows anything about. And one reason we do that is because Satan tells us that we are the only ones going through what we're going through because he wants us to be alone. And I want you to know if you don't feel this any other time this week, this morning, you're not alone. There are people that love you and care about you and wanna fight this battle with you. But even bigger than that, there is a God who loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins, for my sins, so that we can have a relationship with him. And because of that relationship, we are now in his family. And when you're in God's family, there's no battle too big because God is always bigger. So what is the benefit of being bothered? The benefit of being bothered is that God can use that as a catalyst to get you up and moving in the direction that is in line with what God is for, that can not only change you and the lives of those around you for his glory, but also can shake this world up. And I don't know about you, but when I watch the news and I read things on social, when I look at everything, our world needs to be shaken up. Our world needs to be shaken up for Jesus. And God wants to use you. He wants to use me. He wants to use whoever is willing to take a step in the direction that he is pointing. He wants to use those people to shake this world up to get into some battles, to win some wars, because we know in the very end, that it's already been won. 
God is already victorious. Satan has already been defeated because of Jesus. So what is it that bothers you? See, perhaps the Lord says, I can follow after God without knowing the outcome because I have faith that he knows the outcome. So whatever you're going through this morning, wherever you are in your faith, I want you to know God loves you. God has a plan for you. And God wants to make you uncomfortable so that he can move you to where he wants you to be so you can see what he can do in your life. So as you leave this morning, I, I came upon this verse and most of you have heard it, but I was like, this is the perfect verse for us to leave with this morning. Whatever you're going through, Romans 8.31 says this, if God be for us, who can be against us? And the answer is, no one. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your victory in our lives. God, I pray that wherever we are in life, wherever we are in faith, I pray, God, for discomfort. And I know that's a hard thing to pray for, God, but I pray that you move us where we are, that you make us uncomfortable so that you can move us to where we need to be. God, I pray that we start to ask ourselves these tough questions. Are we okay with certain things in our life? Are we okay with certain things in this world? And God, that would motivate us to do something. We know we can't do everything, but we can do something. And I pray that starts this morning. God, may we always remember, if you're for us, no one can be against us. God, allow us to move, to do what we can do so we can see what only you can do. We love you so much. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.